0: Welcome back to Round Guy Radio as we continue coverage of Iowa comedians this week long, and we've got one of the best comedians, one of my best friends that I ever worked with, uh, Don Trinago. You might know him as Don Zilla. Welcome to the program, Don.
1: Thank you, Dave.
0: So uh, let's let's talk let's talk about uh, let's first talk about Iowa and where you grew up, and then how it led you. I believe Las Vegas is where you started your comedy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I did, did uh, uh open mic at a coffee shop for free coffee.
0: Yeah, well, that, uh, that he
1: was... He'd give you a free latte if you'd go up, so I did it for a free latte. <laughs> that,
0: that was pretty good. But you, you grew up in, uh, was it Wine, Iowa?
1: I went to high school in Owen. and yeah. then I, I grew up in Fairbank, which is seven miles from O'Wine. And uh,
0: you uh, you had a, uh, a scholarship to play football, didn't you? Partial. I
1: had a partial scholarship uh, I earned, and then uh, got hurt, um, hurt in the scrimmage. I blew, blew a scrimmage, blew shoulder out. That I'd always had problems with the left shoulder, and I was playing left tackle, which doesn't really work too well if you can have a left shoulder that's going to be popping out. So then, uh, basically. Look for a cheap school in America. and UNLV was one of the cheapest schools, so I finished up college there.
0: Well, let's talk. Let's just let's just talk about your your, your comedy career as as it started. Let's talk about maybe the first year of your comedy.
1: Well, I did, did um, impressions. I uh, would go up this coffee house do uh, comedic impressions, and then uh, got hired to do a lounge show. Uh, at the old volcano lounge it was across the street from uh, the Mirage. And so they'd watch the uh, volcano go off in the Mirage in that lounge. And then they'd have, a, you know, basically a little uh, show in there. And I was one of the guys that did some of the comic impressions.
0: So uh, how long did it take you to kind of establish yourself as a, as a force there? Yeah. Well,
1: you never really forced there, <laughs> but I mean, I was a couple of months and I was down in one of those shows. I mean, I was on the strip, uh, relatively pretty quick, which was kind of fun. And then, uh, then I started organizing my own shows and each show I did would end up at a showroom. I got a, had a show that was at the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh, and then, uh, later I had a one show that was at the Bourbon street, which is one of my all time. That was one of my favorite places.
0: Well, Um, that uh, Las Vegas Hilton, that's where Elvis played, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, so I got to be on that stage that Elvis was on.
0: I bet that was cool.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool, because it was like, okay, this is like the dressing room. All This is, you know, Elvis was here. That's kind of cool.
0: Not only Elvis, but everybody in the show business came to see him there, you know?
1: Yeah, he'd do three a night, too. Elvis was, I mean, he went after it.
0: Yeah, and they said that uh, that may have... uh, really been his downfall because they said there was no way he would let them other you know after he did the first show he wanted the second show to be better than the first show and he wouldn't
1: yeah you know and
0: and he just about so, killed himself doing that
1: yeah well he did kill himself too, yeah, pretty it much i mean you know anybody dies in their 40s it's uh it's, i mean really and i don't know why they you know he just he worked like crazy then
0: well so he I remember that here's a, here's a little Elvis Presley story. He had a, a friend that was a jeweler, and uh, he told him, bring me a briefcase full of jewelry. And he's he says, all right, I want you just to stand here close to the stage, right? And then uh, he, would, he would see some gal in the audience, and he'd walk over, and he'd say, give me a necklace. So I'd give him a necklace, and he'd go out and put that necklace on her, and he'd go back and say, well, Give me some earrings, you know. Well, at the end of the day, night, he'd like run up twenty five thousand dollars worth of a bill, you know. And uh, the the guy that was selling him the the jewelry was almost in tears. And he says, Elvis, if I wasn't even here, it wouldn't have cost you twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. He says, Well, if you feel bad about it, I'll sing an extra five minutes uh, to, in the next show. We'll make up.
1: Oh my God, it's funny. Um, I mean, that's just crazy. It that was Elvis. I mean, a lot of a lot of Elvis hate has come up out of the last couple of decades, and I don't know where I don't know why people go are after him so much. And the guy was really great,
0: and he was he was integrating. And uh, I I really don't understand how anyone could call him a racist. But, yeah. Uh, but he wasn't a racist anymore. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and then the other thing too, is they say, well, he's just taking, uh, taking that culture and appropriating it. But I mean, it really was kind of, kind of his culture too. He's from there. So. Well, and, I, I
0: heard a lot of black artists that, that support him and says, hell, he says we copied from him too.
1: Well, and the other thing too, it always takes somebody good looking to do it. I mean, you could uh, look at this way. Raff was started by Blondie because it was like a, a hot blonde girl. So everybody's like, Oh, Blondie, Deborah Harry did some rap. Okay. Well, what is this rap? So it always takes like somebody cute <laughs> to get your attention to it. You're like, oh, cool. Well, that's cute old Debbie Harry uh, from Blondie. She did a rap song. Oh, there's something going on called rap in New York. Well, hey, Debbie Harry likes it. So let me check this out. I mean, so usually it takes somebody, uh, you know, like Elvis running around. They're like, oh, look at Elvis shaking his hips. He's cute. <laughs> so the cool. girls are screaming and and then you got rock and roll. You know,
0: I will, I just uh, uh, watched that new Elvis movie, and they, they depict Colonel uh, Tom Parker in a terrible way in the movie, but I, I'm not 100% sure he wasn't the best manager in the history of the world. What, what, what are you, Where are you at on Tom I Parker? Didn't,
1: I never saw that. I don't know much about Tom Parker. I do know Tom Parker could not, Elvis could never tour outside of the United States because Tom Parker had some legal issues. So like when he went to Hawaii, that was the first time uh, like the Japanese could get to see Elvis and they were, they loved Elvis and like Japan and Korea and I mean, all the Asian countries, the Philippines, they were crazy for Elvis. And he could never tour over there. So he never really did yeah. world tours. Yeah, so There was some legal thing with Tom Parker. I don't well, know what it is, but- Well,
0: Tom Parker- so did
1: uh, That uh, show in Hawaii, it was huge.
0: Well, Tom Parker was an illegal alien, but he was also one of his best friends was Lyndon Johnson, so he could have made a phone call and got that all figured think, out. So,
1: I mean, but I don't know if that was what he was worried about, as if uh, they, you
0: know. Well, what Tom Parker says uh, there was two reasons why they didn't tour overseas. One, the venues weren't big enough. He says there ain't no venues over there big enough. We'd have to get in a soccer stadium or something to do it. And two, Elvis wouldn't go anywhere without guns. He he was he have six or eight guns on him everywhere he went all the time. And Tom Parker said, well, yeah, you know, if he gets caught with guns in San Diego or in Des Moines or or in Ohio, he said, I can fix that. You know, but, uh, you know, I mean, he, he can't just land in uh, London and walk off, you know, walk in and off the plane with six or eight guns on him, you know. And uh, he says, "I don't know if I could uh, I could fix it." up And maybe that was something to maybe do. Maybe had something to do with it too, or maybe I don't
1: know. Maybe Elvis didn't want to do that.
0: Well, um, I, I I think he wanted to do it, but I do think that Elvis got everything that he wanted, and Elvis was a spendaholic, you know. And uh, Tom Parker had to had to. Uh, you know, probably maybe cut some deals that weren't.
1: Well, there's two different things. It's okay. For those who grow up poor, who've never had money, money doesn't mean anything to you. And for those who grow up like really, really rich and never had to worry about money, really, doesn't really mean anything to you. So that's kind of what it is. Like you get money, you're like, I've already been poor. So, um, I mean, for some reason, there's there's like a guilt and some people just, they don't care about it. So it doesn't mean anything to them. Uh I mean, I've been around some ultra, ultra rich people. And they talk about possessions as if, why doesn't everybody have one? I got a buddy who's got a private jet. He's like, oh, you should get one. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, What do you mean? You can't yeah, just roll out and buy a private jet. But to his, in his head, he thinks everybody has the same amount of money he does. Yeah, He doesn't think, he doesn't, has no concept of what things, you know, what people really make or anything. And then... Same thing with, uh, you know, I've seen super poor people they get a pile of money, they go out and blow it right away and think, okay, I've not had it for so long, I'm going to enjoy this, I'm going to savor this, I'm going to have some fun. So it, that could be a lot of it with Elvis, he'd be like, well, you know, I grew up dirt poor and, he, you know, he could have some inner guilt too, where you're like, okay, I'm successful, I want everybody else to have something
0: too. Well, Elvis wanted to give things away, I mean, he'd give away, yeah. you know. He, oh, he
1: thought everybody knew a Cadillac. He I know. A Cadillac.
0: If he got a Cadillac and he was like your buddy, you know, said, well, all my yeah. buddies ought to have a Cadillac too. Here's a story. Well, he, had
1: a, he was like the first big, huge entourage too. Where they, called them, they got that nickname, the Memphis Mafia. And he loved that. He thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think that got that uh, in Vegas when he was walking out with a group. I think somebody said, there's the Memphis Mafia. <laughs> I think that's where the nickname came from. Uh, but it cracked him up. He thought it was hilarious.
0: Well, let's uh, let's get back to talking about your career. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: Going on now, I, It was there. my
0: fault. I was the one that, yeah. that, that I like to talk about Elvis uh, Now, uh, Penn and Teller uh, uh, had a little something to do with your career, didn't they?
1: Uh, no, I, I met Penn and Teller. Um, actually, if you get a they're pig atheist, which was kind of weird, you get one of their cards and it says it uh, has a hologram on it that says no God just kind of threw me a little bit. I'm like, what? Atheist, I, not, I, I I never understood atheist having so much of a negative reaction. Like, put it this way. I don't believe in unicorns. Mm-hmm. And if I had a buddy in over his house and his daughter had unicorn posters up on the wall, I wouldn't react violently to it. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, it was a unicorn. Okay, I don't believe in those. I mean, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say that. I'd just walk by and like, oh, daughter's into unicorns, huh? And see, atheists, they, like, get freaked out over any belief. They go crazy. I mean, they're, like, obsessed with it. They're more obsessed with religion than uh, religious people are. Yeah. I mean, so it's re- – ironically, I'd use unicorn, which is it's a symbol of Christ. But I, it, it, I don't know. There was one thing that threw me with them. I'm like, what? Dude, okay, you're an atheist, but why – so I mean, it, this stuff's just crazy to me um people get so worse so that was like weird when you see that you're like okay why are you guys atheists? and why are you really that into it
0: well you, you early in your career you got a uh, spot on comedy central how did that all come about
1: that was uh out of, filmed out of phoenix and that's where i got the nickname Zilla because that was bigger <laughs> when you're on that old four thirds tv this was in the time where there was before they were using expansive tv of the 16.9 ratio Things were still shot in the four thirds, which is the box style. It tends to make you look bigger than you really are. And I'm not small, but, you know, Iowa standards, I'm just regular. Uh, the one thing's weird, Iowa standards for size, you know, we're, we're all huge out here compared to out west. And so when I was on screen, they had to back up the cameras and then one of the guys in the tech room said, looks like Don's is gonna eat Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it came out and you know i, I bounced around in the old days i was a hyperactive bouncing around a lot and, i mean just we used to really love stand-up so i'd get very excited when i get to do it i was just used to get so jacked up to do it
0: so when you went to unlv you, you got a degree in film or what was it your degree Yeah, out
1: of the film studies major
0: and uh you know, then you you toured the the whole whole country and uh... yeah,
1: I toured everywhere, all over the United States. The only state I never hit was Hawaii. Um, I was in Canada most of, and the... I actually I actually did a show in Mexico. I Was in the border, and I got to do something in Mexico once, which surprisingly was uh, pretty fun. Um, I was worried about the language difference, but everybody who spoke English. Uh, you know, everybody there was bilingual. So I spoke English and Spanish and it was one of the, you know, it was that was even kind of fun. And then uh USO tours in Japan, Korea, uh Okinawa, uh Germany, France, and uh Great Britain, Italy, so all through Europe and actually my passport's still tagged to this day because I went to Europe and Asia and Canada and Mexico all within the same year. So, like 2000, uh, 2002, I was traveling everywhere. So, my passport's still tagged because I want to know why is a guy from Iowa going all? You know, they think you know, that's kind of a red flag. Glad they're checking on that stuff, though. <laughs> because so, you know, why would a why would a kid from a dead end road in Iowa be going to Europe, Asia, Canada, <laughs> and Mexico in the same year?
0: Well, I, you know, you know, I'm a, a United States Army veteran, and I always wanted to. To perform you know for service members and stuff how did that come about that you got the opportunity to do USO? well
1: they, they have we're looking for guys this is bef- it was booked book before september 11th that we're going to do a uso tour i can't remember i think it was somebody a friend in vegas passed it off and said uh, hey this guy would be a good one for this you know these uh military tours and i remember it was tied to, he was tied to him somehow so I um, got the booking to do the Europe and the Asia one, and then my opener uh, came out of Texas, who I became lifelong friends with. And it was, uh, like, shortly after September 11th, we went, and we were the only ones on that tour. Yeah, everybody else pulled off of that tour. comics kind of canceled out of it, because it was, well, it was under, you know, we just had terrorist attacks, so it was kind of a high alert travel situation a little, little nerve-wracking too i mean
0: but I'm you kidding. you you actually did uh, uh, entertain some troops maybe some pilots that did some missions oh yeah we had
1: pilots that had just been doing uh drops over uh you know over like different countries that, did, that fly back and land and come to the show and you're like well, where were you today we're like oh yeah i was flying over uh middle east and did. Dr-. i'm like why have you back? Or, you know, it's amazing how fast some of that drops go, and they're back. Well, you know, where they go?
0: You know, when I—I I mean, I was stationed in Germany, and uh anytime that we would get some entertainment, or, or you know, it, it was a big thing for us.
1: You know what I mean? Well, it's just a little touch of home. I mean, because you got somebody who came from you, know, so it just brings a little of that to them. Because uh, Germany's, you know. It, 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 you know, it's Germany, so it is different. No matter even no, no matter how Americanized everything is, like brands and everything, you're still in a foreign country. I mean, and it's still, you know, it's not home. But Germany was um, it was a surprising country because everything was so clean.
0: Oh my god, I remember that. Uh, that was back when they had the, the two sleek, countries,
1: like stainless steel, sleek and new, and just it was one of the cleanest places I'd ever been in my life. I'm like, man, you guys are fanatics with us. And yeah. it was, it was not what I expected. They were friendly. Uh, yeah, it was, it was not what I expected at all. I was expecting everybody to walk around in those little outfits with the suspenders and the beer steins and, you know, I mean, I was expecting to be older, like, you know, cause you go to Europe, you're expecting like old villages. And, yeah. Like, yeah. When I was
0: was in the Army, Reagan was president, and uh, we would be out in the field, and we'd drive through a little town, and it'd have, like, brick streets and everything, and there'd be these little old ladies standing on the side of the street with brooms, and as soon as your your tracked vehicle would roll past them, they would go straight out in the street and clean up all the dirt and everything that was kicked off of those tracked vehicles.
1: They, maybe. they just wasn't
0: having any kind of dirt or nothing oh well, that's why it's so clean you got all
1: these all these German women are like not having any type of dirt
0: oh, no no course
1: they um it could be part of their country was ravaged by war I mean two times in the last century I mean you yeah, know after they rebuild it they're like well we're gonna we're gonna keep our stuff nice and clean and in order
0: yeah they're just happy to have buildings that are standing I guess
1: yeah because I mean they got ravaged I mean that country was destroyed twice in the 20th century and um they're probably like okay we rebuild this we're taking care of it i mean that could be part of it and you grow up with that i mean look, look at in this country we uh, have grandparents of the depression those habits are passed down to two generations and yeah. you know put on people that then i mean that's why uh Somebody's grandma saves uh, tin because they remember the time when that might be uh, might be needed or something like that, and, and so he's explained away like, "Well, they were a kid during the depression, or you know, something like that."
0: Well, I remember uh, when I was there. You know, it was uh, you know it wasn't it was in the '80s, so I guess in the '40s they had the uh, the war, and then the Russians were always lining up troops, and they were really afraid of them. And uh, back then being American was a big plus. God, they just so appreciated, you know, it was uh, not uncommon for you not to have to pay for beers or, yeah, or, uh, and there would always be a line of women to talk to you. You know, I mean, they just, if you were at a bar or something, there'd be women standing in line to talk to you. It was. Yeah. uh,
1: Well, that's, uh, um. I mean, really it's, uh, (laughs) they kind of, I mean, they kind of went over there and saved it. So, I mean, they probably um, I mean, really, because they, they talk about Germany, it was just the Nazi party. The rest of the German people, when they found out what was going on, they weren't into it. So, no, yeah, they, it was, were, they were as it much strange of... over there. It, it's really strange when you just see how close France is. Like, everything, you're like, God, this is kind of everything just right here. So, you can see where they, like, England and France always having wars, and, you know, Spain. I mean, you're like, God, they're all right here. It, it's kind of strange. All those countries have a different language,
0: and they're like they're, they're like the size of states, you know. Yeah, it's just it's like ours. one country would be Iowa, and another country would be Illinois, another country would be Missouri, you know. It's it,
1: yeah, Germany, Germany, and France is it's like Wisconsin and Iowa. I mean, yeah,
0: it's, <laughs> it's, it's it is about like
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be like if you go to Wisconsin, they're speaking a completely different language up there. I mean, that's that, that was what it was kind of strange, like you know. If you think of the United States, I mean, that's a huge country in comparison, and even Russia. And so, you get these huge, uh, huge countries, and then you, Europe, and you get all these different languages and cultures. And I mean, just cross not that far in Germany, completely different culture than France. Yeah. And then Great Britain, I mean, completely different culture than France and Germany and then Spain. I mean, yeah, it was, it, that was one thing that was interesting to me when I was in Europe is just how different each spot was, even Italy, and it was just like, wow, they're all kind of, I mean, you go to the Midwest, United States, it's, you know, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, the Dakotas, you're, you're all kind of pretty much the same, yeah. so, I mean, you're kind of having the same conversations, meet the same people, and really, for the most part, up into Canada, it's not that much different up there than it is down in the Dakotas, you
0: well, you, you had a, a very raucous and enjoyable and uh, memorable comedy career, but then you kind of switched gears to uh, making films and uh, stuff like that. And then uh, you got started at that, and then, then the COVID hit, and uh, you did seem to be able to put out some product during the downtime. Well, yeah,
1: it was, it, was, it was actually a little easier because everything was closed down so you could get into some places, but you had to keep your cast and crew kind of small and I didn't worry about it because I worried about from the liability part. I mean, the liability part of that, if somebody did get sick, you know, and spread that you're kind of, you're kind of could be held liable for that. But um, we watched it pretty, I mean, I had a few people that contracted COVID. We had to, you know, watch out for and double check everything. So there was a few, it disrupted a little bit, but, um, I mean, these were guys that were like, oh, you're set to play your part next week. And they're like, oh, yeah, I just went to Chicago. and did... Why did you go to Chicago? <laughs> so there's a few people that just weren't careful. And I mean, you're off going to some party in Chicago and then comes back, has got COVID.
0: Well, we've got about six minutes left. Could you go over the highlights of the movies that you put out? And well, see?
1: the best ones, are the horror films are really done well, which they're not really horror films. They're kind of experimental. Um, I don't have the production capabilities to do uh, anything really big. These are micro budget movies. So they're not, I mean, you you don't have many options when it comes to that. So you can't do a huge special effects. You, you don't have sets. So you don't have a, um, you know, you don't have a soundstage, so you can't create your own uh, controlled sets. Uh, Another thing is you're shooting a lot of times on live sets, like in restaurants, bars, places like that. So if you do get a good take, uh, somebody's coming up and screwing with you. That's one thing about Iowa. People will not leave you alone to do something. I mean, you'll tell them, like, what are you doing? Well, this is We're just trying to shoot a movie here. What is a movie? You tell them, well, I've never heard of it. Okay, then just don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I like that. I mean, you, one thing that's hard out here is people won't leave you alone when you're doing something. You know, if you tell everybody to be quiet, somebody will yell and throw something at you. I mean... So that is that is tricky to make stuff. Plus, just when you start doing something, it seems like everybody's got a problem. So that is one thing that is difficult out here. Like we shot in a gym and the ladies in the corner had to go up and make uh, just, I mean, had to make the biggest issue of it. And we weren't even near. It. And just, I mean, just was it, just little things like that. It's like, okay, you're over there. You're not even in shot. Don't worry about it. You're not. I don't want to be in this. You better. I'm like, Jesus. So you get get some crazies with it, but um, I guess that's part of it. But yeah, they've done well. Majority of them are on Tubi. That's been a godsend for us Uh, because that, I mean, that's, you could go on and watch it for free. It's free with ads. So everything we've made is on there. All the stand-up I have, all of it's on Tubi.
0: Yeah, you have a a cornucopia of stand-up and movies. uh... Yeah. You, you had a series of shows called bros uh you had that uh horror one yeah that's a mo-
1: the movie the three movies bros that was uh and those are just um uh, just regular hangout movies there wasn't many uh, i tried to make something about as simple as i could just to get something done and it's they're just simple comedy hangout movies and um I mean, not not a real hard thinker just kind of uh couple of aging idiots running around waterloo iowa getting drunk in bars i mean that's really all it is
0: and then and, uh you had a horror movie called red i think
1: yeah there's red there's sin and there's tom so that's three all three of those go together
0: now my favorite one you ever did was called happies
1: yeah that's a that's the one that uh, my my sister likes that one the best
0: well, it's really um, funny,
1: you know? Yeah, and well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's sweet, you know, with the grandpa and everything. But, yeah, that was one of my, those, the black and whites, the singles and the happies, those are two of my favorites.
0: Well, and yeah, I mean, and, and that movie is in black and white, or it starts out in color and goes to black and white, or?
1: Yeah, well, no, it's black and white through the whole thing.
0: But uh, so. you don't even notice it after a while. Huh.
1: Well, the reason we, we, okay, the main reason we want black and white is the location happies is fluorescence. It was lit, you know, the lights in the place were fluorescent. That's hell to use with cameras, especially film cameras. It just does weird stuff. So my nephew was doing the photography, and he goes, "We go black and white." And I thought, "Well, God, can we do that?" And he says, "Well, yeah." Then you don't have to worry about the color corrections. So, you know, your white balance on different cameras is going to be hell. And he said, "Just go black and white. You don't have to worry about anything." And he was right. So I mean, it kind of seemed, it was kind of like, okay, this is kind of fun now.
0: Well, and, we we just got a couple minutes left. Uh, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about?
1: Well, we're working on something now. This is going to be a problem movie. Uh, we're making a movie called Flirts now, which is about a uh, small town strip club being shut down by the city council. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have some. <laughs> we we got a uh, a mayor who gets drunk at the gets a DUI at the local strip club, and then the city council takes notice and saying, okay. This place is up for license renewals. I don't think those should be renewed. So that's kind of the storyline, which is, um it, it's kind of fun. It, it has actually happened in Waterloo where they've tried to shut down the actual club flirts, but it's a generic story. It's not about Waterloo. It's, you know, I mean, there's a hundred towns in America where they're trying to shut down their strip clubs. So pretty universal story, but. And It's an easy way to get some, uh, you know, gratuitous TNA in a movie, too, which helps sell it on Tubi. So, well,
0: uh, we've been talking to Don Zilla, Don Cernagle, comedian, a filmmaker extraordinaire. Uh, I want to thank you for being back on the show, and I want to tell you the first time you were on the show, it made a big difference for me because uh, Steve Pilton, the round guy, and, and I were doing things, and he was uh semi-interested in it. He was half interested in it, you know, but then after we interviewed you, he was very interested in it. He says, let's just go and make this, make this something. And, uh, we just got our six thousandth listeners yesterday.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: We're in over 200 cities in Iowa. And, uh, uh, thank you for being on the show with us, Don. Uh, uh,
1: I bet you, brother. You're good to, you're talking to Elvis. Well, <laughs> I
0: I I enjoy. I used to talk to you all the time, and I probably haven't talked to you in a couple of years or a
1: year or so, so it was good yeah, catching up get, with you. Yeah, when you get wives and kids, you, your time gets taken up with your kid. And just, you know,
0: Wait till you, you get run. grandkids like I've got.
1: Yeah, and then you're running around with your kid. That's what you, when you get mm-hmm. older, that's what you... You, you almost down wish down, you uh, could
0: skip the kid part and go straight to the grandkid part.
1: Yeah, well, let's hope he's not. He's only seven, so that that's going to be bigger problems if we're getting grandkids. <laughs>
0: well, how, how's your boy doing? Is he playing ball any, or anything? Is he good?
1: Yeah, he's, he's into. Um, he he likes basketball, is he? Um, which is, um, you know, he likes basketball, and uh, I haven't introduced him to football yet. I'm going to try to save his joints. I don't know if he'll take to that or what, or who knows. By the time he's that age, he might want to run, do cross country, or play tennis, or. I don't know. I'm just a sports guy. Whatever sport he wants to do, we'll uh, we'll get him signed up for it. He likes baseball, too, which makes me happy because I could never, was never really a baseball player, but I always enjoyed it.
0: Well, that's great. So, uh, yeah. uh, say hello to the wife and the kids. and it was uh, great talking to you. Like, once again, uh, it, it was one of our favorite guests and my, one of my favorite people on earth, uh, Don Tornado. Thanks for being with us. All right, brother. Have a good one out there.